So I know that a lot of people are skeptics of the paranormal. I know that Kevin is a skeptic. I actually try and be a skeptic. Whereas me, it's not that I'm closed-minded because I'm not. I'm one of those people that I neither believe nor disbelieve. There have been some things over the last seven years, Scott, I cannot explain away. I began paranormal investigating after I was an archaeologist. So I really came into this feeling I'm going to be a skeptic, but I'm also going to be very scientific. And what happened was I had certain things that happened to me over the years that I don't necessarily say it's made me a believer, but it's made me less skeptical. Right. Whereas with me, there's certain things that happen. As an example, I'll just give a short one. I know we were on investigation and it was my daughter who kept saying her hair was getting pulled. And there was at one point I felt I was poked in the side. I rule all that out because during the investigation, I kind of think your mind plays tricks on you. So to me, that could just be a psychological reaction. So we are going to talk about experiences that have kind of changed our view of things. It's really tough. I don't want to say it's made us less skeptical. What it's done, though, I think is it's broadened our view of the paranormal. And we're going to be talking about a very particular investigation that we did in Idaho Falls, Idaho, at the federal post office that is now used as actually offices for lawyers and things like that. All I'm going to say right now is there was more than one thing there I cannot explain. So we'd like to welcome you to our Ghostology podcast and hope you enjoy it. Is anyone there? We want to make contact with you. We want to share your story. We're going to seek the truth no matter where we find it. Everyone's got a ghost story. And the look on his face was a look of shock. First thing I did was go over to him and say, are you okay? I want you to breathe. Welcome to Ghostology. We're going to talk about a specific investigation that we did in August of 2018. And this was the old federal post office here in Idaho Falls, Idaho. And we did this because of our our association with the uh, Museum of Idaho. Right. Every October, they do a haunted history tour here in Idaho Falls. They asked us to do the post office. To be honest, before we go into any of these investigations with the museum, we actually don't know a lot of the stories or the history of the place. That stuff we find out at that time. So Yeah, actually a lot of them we find out after the investigation because one thing I don't like is knowing a lot of the stories because I want my investigators and myself to go in kind of with an open mind. So if we go into a certain area you know, we're not expecting certain things. And I actually appreciate that because it's kind of going back to what I said before. If we knew all the stories beforehand, again, your mind can play tricks on you and you think something's happened when it hasn't happened or vice versa. So I don't like finding out about the stories until after the investigation is done. We're going to tell you some of the stories, but these were things that we didn't know before the investigation. There was one, actually, though. That was the little girl on the steps. Yeah, yeah, I remember that. They told us that one when we got there to set up. 
it's a really simple story. Like I said, this was the old post office, but now uh, it's been sold. It's owned by a private individual. In the entranceway, there is lawyer's office to the left. And in there, they have this absolutely wonderful marble staircase that goes up to... Really nowhere anymore. I mean, Yeah, it goes up. Yeah, it, it, Since it's been remodeled, it goes up and there is a door you can get out on, I think, the second level. But I mean, right. it really is not meant for anything. So. Right. But the story is, is quite simple, is that there is a little girl who haunts that stairway. And, we, and I don't think anyone really knows why. There was no story, but she's been seen a lot over the years on this marble staircase. But of course, we even had problems with that because, you know, and this is what you'll learn as a paranormal investigator, is you will do your best to get these investigations set up. And then if you're not talking to the right people, uh, things can go amiss. And that's kind of what happened here. Yeah, we weren't actually able to set anything up on those stairs because... Again, as Scott said, not talking to the right people, you had to go into the lawyer's office to get to those stairs, and they had those offices locked up for privacy reasons. Right. And so when we did our investigation, they said we couldn't go in there. So the best we could do is we actually set up a camera outside the office. Luckily, they had a glass window. We just set up a camera looking through that glass window, and it got most of the stairs, but you know, still, it's not actually in there. But we didn't catch anything on our video. We looked at it all night. No little girl that night. Nope. No little girl. No nothing. In fact, most of the stuff that happened, happened as Scott and I were just doing setup. It was even before the investigation. And that's kind of the thing. I mean, that's kind of our theme here is, you know, when you get into paranormal investigation, I don't know if... At least for me, I don't know about for you, Kevin, but I, I kind of had these preconceived notions that, you know, you set up and then during the night, I don't know, things start to happen. And what I've really come to understand is that the paranormal is totally unpredictable. Like you cannot say, hey, here is a typical haunting or here's how it's going to manifest. It will surprise you every time. It will. And yeah, I say, let's just get into it, Scott. Right. So here's kind of the first myth of paranormal investigation, and that is, is that ghosts come out at night. So we went into the post office. It was a lovely day. Do you remember that day? It was shining bright when we got there. I think it was a long day because I don't remember it actually getting dark outside until what well, was after we had all the setup done. Setup took us, what, right. two hours? Right. It was early September, and yeah, it took Actually, I think it took just a little over two hours. And that post office building was built in 1916. And so they, back then, they knew how to make these buildings absolutely gorgeous, had these huge windows. And that's what I remember. We were in the very back of the post office on the main floor above the basement. The sun that was just pouring through these gigantic windows. And really, I remember kind of thinking, man, I wish I was outside right now because it looks so, so beautiful out there. So during setup, we're setting up uh, audio recorders as well as uh, video. We're not like other people that carry cameras around with us a lot. We set up cameras, DVR systems, static cameras, where we want to cover and trying to cover the most amount of area possible. Right. And we're also not rich like other groups. So we have a, you know, a finite number of equipment. Um, I know all these great shows on TV have all these great electrical devices. 
at, at that time, we actually had a really old DVR system. We have a couple of them. And so, yeah, we set up the old one there in that big hallway. And it was a big office. I mean, it was like, what, probably 40 feet? Oh, the hallway had to be at least 40 feet. Right. So I wasn't even thinking about ghosts. I mean, and, and this is the thing. So Kevin's over by some stairs, setting up some Actually, cameras. Actually, we I was looking for something at that point in time. We were. What were we looking for? We were just, I think, I, we, no, we tripods. Were, it was like something with our tripod. Don't you something. remember? We were looking for something, and I went down the stairs to check the basement. It was the little tripods. That's why we wound up using the paint cans. You know, and that's the thing. Setup takes a lot of time. It is hard, and you're trying to get right angles. But uh, hopefully we've set this up for you. It wasn't at all spooky. I wasn't thinking about ghosts. We were just concentrated on, hey, we have got to get this set up. We had other members of our investigative team that were showing up later, and we had to get this done. Yeah, so at the point in time that we're talking, the only people in the entire building were Scott and myself. There was right. nobody else there. Everybody had gone home for the day. So we were working on setting up uh, audio recorders and video on the second floor. And yes, you're right. It was the tripods we needed. So I went back down because we had the equipment downstairs, some of it. And as I'm coming back upstairs. So I'm in a room that has a safe in it. Post office used to have money, used to have all kinds of stuff. They need this big safe. So I'm in there. I walk out of that room. Now, the hallway from, you know, width-wise is only about maybe six, eight feet. It's not extremely... Uh, the hallway, the 40-foot hallway? Right, between the rooms, maybe 10 feet. Mm, about enough for two people to walk side by side, and that's it. Right. It's not really big, but basically on the other side, directly across, there was another room... And it didn't have any windows. So the safe room is the one that has the window that goes out to the road. I walk across, I walk out of the safe room and I'm just standing there. I'm looking at some cords and I'm just thinking, okay, how do we run these cords correctly so people don't trip on them? I'm thinking about safety. Just simply, I turned because Kevin's over by the stairs. So I was coming up the stairs at that time. Right. You're about 15 and that's feet. About the point, that's about the point that I saw you. Right. I was coming up the stairs. You had turned out that doorway. And then... And then I turn, and I just happened to glance directly into the doorway, into this small room that's completely empty, directly across from me. Not quite completely empty. It did have an old copier machine right. in it. That's the only thing it had. It had an old copy machine, which you could kind of see the edge on the But it wasn't plugged in or anything. We don't even know if it worked. It was just sitting there. Right. And so I looked, and I don't know how to explain this exactly. All I can do is just say for a moment, there was just this woman standing there. And it's kind of crazy because she was just there, and then she just blinked out. I mean, she was there long enough for me to see her. And the very first second that I saw her, I mean, for just a millisecond, it didn't even register. It was just like, okay, turning, turning, turning. Oh, there's a woman in the room. And the other thing was that she moved. She was there long enough where she was in motion, and she just took one step. And she didn't even complete the step. And then all of a sudden, she just, she just blinked out. The weird thing was the room wasn't really well lit, but I could see her fairly well. The only thing I couldn't see really well was her face, but she was wearing kind of this black dress 
I want to say it almost looked, though, like a dress that someone might wear working like back in the 1920s or something like that. So it wasn't like a funeral dress or anything like that. And then I remember she she was wearing a shawl, which was also black. Then she had blonde hair and then it was pulled up. So she probably had long blonde hair, but it was all pulled up in a bun. And then, like I said, it wasn't really like a funeral dress because it didn't touch the floor. For some reason, I always remember her shoes, but she had on like kind of these old time leather looking boots for women. It had a little bit of a heel. And don't ask me why I remember that so well, but I remember the boot. And so it wasn't actually until after she blinked out that it just kind of struck me. In fact, once I think about it, it was more that she disappeared that kind of shocked me more than that I saw her in that room. Kevin saw me, though. He didn't. You didn't see the woman, but no, you saw me. No, I was me. coming up the stairs. I couldn't see into that room, but I could see Scott. So now let me give you my version of this story. So as Scott said, and, and as I said earlier... I w- went downstairs to go grab some stuff. As I'm coming upstairs, I do see Scott coming out of that room. I'm almost to the top of the stairs. And Scott, as he's turning, literally, I don't know how else to say it, but he turned almost sh- sheet white. And he was up against the wall. He was almost hyperventilating, to be honest with you. I didn't even ask him what was wrong at first. I literally dropped what I had in my hand and went over to him and got right in front of him, put my hand on his shoulder and said, Scott, you need to breathe for a minute. And he still had this wide-eyed look on his face. I honestly think he was almost going into shock at that point in time. And at that point, once I actually told him to breathe, because I was standing directly in front of him, so I'm now blocking that room from his view. As the color started coming back in his face, I said, what happened? I won't say it was a look of terror or anything else on his face. I will say it looked like he was going into shock. Well, and I think that's a good word. I, I agree with that. Um, but it wasn't. It was just shock of almost just disbelief. I mean, yeah, I just don't know how to explain it because fear is not really what it was. I mean, I didn't have any problem being in the building after that, but it was just kind of like, wow, that was weird. And even though it was fast, it was still undeniable. You know, it wasn't, it's like either I'm having a complete hallucination or something happened and it wasn't anything else. I've, I've had other things before, like sometimes I'll be wearing glasses and I'll turn my head quickly and there'll be like something that light that reflects off my glasses. And I get the weird. same thing. I don't wear glasses, but depending on what I'm doing, even my own house, I'll turn and go, what was that? Because right. I think I see something, but I don't. Right. So it, I think that happens to everybody. Right. And this wasn't that. I mean, I know what I saw. And and she was burned into my memory. He drew a picture. I don't know if he's got it uploaded on the website yet, but if he doesn't, I'll make sure he gets it done. I'm a little embarrassed. I always say my first grade teacher would be very proud of me. It was, it was a wonderful picture. But for you, Kevin, even though you didn't see her... No, things... it was the reaction of Scott that right. got to me. But... That's not what freaked me out the most. Right. And so there's more to the story. So this happened right at 6.45? I don't know. You'll know the time better than I will. It was was still light out. back in 2018, so. Right. It was still light out. That's the main thing. Sun was up. It wasn't at, you know, dusk or anything like that. So 
we interviewed each other. I mean, that's kind of our protocol. Something happened. So we got out the cameras. We interviewed each other, got everything recorded so we don't forget things. Uh, but then we just we went back to work. We had to get our we setup We had to complete. get stuff set up. So we go back to setting up cameras. Now, we use, as I said, DVRs, DVR systems, DVR cameras. And when we have a spot we can put it on a tripod, we will. If not, we'll actually set it on something. And if we have to, we will actually tape it down. The thing about doing setup or even paranormal investigation, we never go off by ourselves, really. We always want to have two people together just in case something happens. But Scott and I always communicate on where we want to set stuff up. And we decided we wanted to have a camera in that room that had the safe. Pointed right at the safe. Exactly. We didn't want to have one in the safe because we couldn't have gotten anything but the safe at that point. What we did was the window in there was fairly large, but what I thought was neat was the actual window sill was huge. Had to have been 10 inches at least, at if least. not 12. I took a camera in there and, of course, you know, set it on that window sill. So I got all the safe in three quarters of the room at least. And I had the tape with me, it was a roll of uh, gray duct tape. But I didn't use it because I noticed that camera was just sitting there. And Scott was there with me. And I do this kind of thing a lot. Otherwise, I forget where I put stuff. Yeah, and that is the point I want to make here. One of my pet peeves, when you're setting up, you need to keep track of stuff. Because when you're in these big buildings, you can lose equipment. You can lose wires. You can lose tape. And you know what? That's money. It is expensive to do paranormal investigations. Right. So I had told Scott, because there was plenty of room, I said, Scott, I'm not going to tape this camera down because it looks to be sitting here. However, I'm setting the duct tape on the windowsill right next to the camera, just in case when we're doing our investigation or something, it rolls, it falls, and we'll know we need to tape it down. And I said that so not necessarily for him to know I was doing it. I said it so I would remember where I put the tape. Then we decided, okay, where are we going to set the next camera up? Well, those stairs I came up from Uh, from the basement when I was bringing stuff up, we decided we want to have a camera looking down. We had already used all of our good tripods. So we said, uh, why don't we just put it on top of some bins? Because we're not going to be going up and down these stairs a lot. And went to set the camera on top and the camera wouldn't set straight. So I said, hey, Scott, go grab that duct tape off of the uh, windowsill in there and I'll tape this down. So I sat there and was holding it. Scott goes into the other room. Okay, so I go in the room, look on the window seal, and there's nothing there. And I come out to Kevin, and I'm like, hey, where did you put the duct tape? And I literally said, Scott, it's on the window sill. And he goes, no, it's not. So I set the camera down, thinking Scott's playing a game with me. Okay, Scott had not been out of my sight more than 10 seconds. He literally walked in the room and came out. Right. So I go over, and I'm like, really? So I look in there, and there's no tape. Again, I'm still thinking Scott's playing a game on with me. Right. So I said, what'd you do? Scott put it in the safe. So I went into the safe to look. Tape's not there either. Scott doesn't have it on right. him. He wasn't wearing a jacket or anything. So we go out into the hall. I'm looking everywhere else. I'm looking around as well. And again, I'm saying this again, just so everybody knows. Scott and I were always in each other's sight right. this whole time. Yeah, we were so, never apart. No. I knew it wasn't downstairs, so I didn't go back downstairs. So... I come around the corner, back down to where, I mean, honestly, I was going to go back in the room with the safe just to double check again in case I was being blind, but I froze. And I said, Scott, I found the tape. Right. And And he goes, where? 
I walked into the room where Scott had seen the apparition, where the old copier was, and it was sitting on the copier. Neither one of Scott and I can explain that. The hairs on my arms, on the back of my neck were all on end because there is no way Scott moved that tape. There is no way I moved that tape and nobody else was in the building. So in this case, like we've said, we were not apart. Therefore, it was like, I didn't move it. I know Kevin didn't move it. Therefore, it was like either... How did it get from... The safe room. The safe room. Across the, the hall. Across the hall and sitting on the copier when we hadn't even been in that room since the apparition situation. Right. Well, and, and then the crazy part was, is that we actually had our DVR system kind of set up. It was like we were nearing the very end. And we actually had one of the cameras that was set up in the hallway. We didn't have any of the other ones going, but we did have one in the hallway that had a direct view of the two rooms that were opposite of each other. I said, wow, we're going to be able to get this duct tape like floating across the hallway. Or we'd find out that Scott was playing a trick on me either way. Exactly. And our DVR shut off. So we had it going. I don't know what happened, but again, there were just technical difficulties. And it just, that camera that we had stopped recording. So we didn't have anything. So even though that may sound a little convenient, weird stuff happens to our equipment as well. It's not just us. In this situation, I saw a woman. Later, this duct tape disappears with no explanation. We can't figure it out. As I said, the arm, the hair on my arms, everything was still standing up. As soon as we finished that, I said, Scott, I'm taking a break. And we went outside right. for five minutes. I always say at that time, I had to go up to Kevin and tell him to breathe. <laughs> and so kind of the crazy thing about it is that this is all during the day again, as we mentioned. And then after that, we set up We had the investigation. I'm not going to say that nothing happened that night, but basically nothing really happened. Nothing noteworthy and nothing we couldn't uh, debunk. Right. The only thing I will mention is that we had an investigator that night. Her name's Natalie. By the way, we did not tell any of our investigators that night what had happened. So we did not want to again... Not until at the very end. We were basically done right. and ready to pack up. And then... Then we told them. Because we we didn't want them to be predisposed to think that there was something going on in that area. But Natalie, during the night, went to that safe and felt something, a presence, and got freaked out and did not want to go in. But I, I thought that was noteworthy just because... She did actually say there is something paranormal happening in this place exactly where the duct tape uh, disappeared disappeared and across the hallway from where I saw the woman. And that's a pretty big building. So even though we're talking about this one area, we don't want to give you the idea that this is a small building because it's not. It's very, very, very large. It it was three floors, wasn't it? Yeah, it had a basement. The main floor and then an upper floor. Right. And it's not small. There is a lot of offices in there. And again, it was kind of interesting because where we heard a lot of the stories, we didn't get anything. So in the basement is where they were kind of telling us to set up because there are people that work down there that they were saying there were three ghosts. They were saying one's a crier, one's a shredder because they shred up paper, and then one's a screamer because they say in the women's bathroom, uh, you can hear screaming. So Kevin, you're a skeptic. How did this experience broaden your view of the paranormal? I go back to what I said before, Scott. There are some things, even as a skeptic, no matter how hard I want to think about it, I cannot explain away. 
you know, I can't say, well, that was just my mind playing tricks on me. No, it wasn't. I knew exactly where I put that tape. <laughs> I'm still a skeptic. I will still try and debunk things that we find. But I also know there's going to be some things we can't explain. And that's the evidence that I like to find. Yeah, and I'm I'm kind of just the same way. I don't know how that happened. We were together. I don't believe I could have snuck in there and moved the tape. I don't believe you could have because we were together. We'd like to thank you for listening to this episode of Ghostology, and we would encourage you to look for more episodes of Ghostology as we release them. I'm Scott Bryant. And I am Kevin Bowerman. And this is the Ghostology Podcast. I'd like to thank you for listening to this episode of Ghostology, and I invite you to listen to future episodes. If you've liked what you've heard here and would like more Ghostology, you can always look for my books on Amazon.com, all under the title Ghostology. You can also visit our website at Ghostology.com. Thank you, and I hope you have a great rest of your day.